Today's message is titled, um, What is Happening and What Should We Do? Um, for me, I feel like this new normal is starting to sink in a little bit. Um, we still don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know. We, we, you know, we know that this month of April we're going to be quarantined. We're not sure what's going to happen beyond that, but it seems like this is the, the new normal, um, at least for the next month. There's still so much uncertainty. Uh, we still have people that are being furloughed or being laid off. Um, people that are worried about their family and their friends, their health. Um, right now it's difficult and the immediate future, it's gonna get worse. We know that. Um, and so what we've been doing as we've come to God's word, looking for God to say something to us in this is we've been looking at the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation was written to people who were going through really difficult times and those times are about to get even worse. And so it's similar to what we're going through. And in the midst of their lives, in the first century that, that, that this was written in and written to, these people were wondering what's happening here and what should we do? Um, where is God in all of this? And what's going to happen to us? Does God even care? And so in this book, we find out that God cares so much about his people. God cared so much about them. And so he spoke to the people that were following Jesus and what he told them gave them hope. It gave them peace and strength and it can do the same thing for us today. And so in the first two messages, we've looked at a bunch of themes that are in the book of Revelation. I just want to review some of those themes in Revelation. We've seen that first, Jesus is active now in everything. That Jesus is special. He is different uh, because he was raised alive. He suffered and was crucified, but then he rose from the dead and he is working powerfully in our lives in the midst of all of our uncertainty and all of our suffering. Um, we've seen too that we are good and bad. Um, that Jesus affirms the good in us and he challenges our bad in order to strengthen us for what's coming. So we saw that. And then third theme we saw is that life gets crazy. In the book of Revelation, in our lives, being a Christian doesn't free us from suffering. In, in fact, it's the opposite. That God actually wants us, he wants us to be his people. God wants to fill the world with people who respond to suffering the way that Jesus did, with a willingness to trust God, with a willingness to live generously because they're not afraid because they know that God will meet their needs. And then fourth, we saw uh, in past weeks that Christians lament with honest frustration toward God. And it's good to know that when we're honest with God, God draws even closer to us. And then fifth, we, we've seen in Revelation that God says, be patient and trust me. God's saying, I'm working out a plan and you, I have you in the perfect place to fulfill your role in my plan. And so all of this sounds great. It sounds amazing to know that God has a plan that we're working in that. Um, but what is that plan? Right? There's, and to answer that, there's one more theme that spans the rest of the book of Revelation. And it's the theme of, this is what we're going to look at today. It's a theme of renewal. It's a theme of renewal. That God is actively working and has a plan to make all things new. This is what's happening now. God is working his plan to bring renewal to all of life, 
to make all the sad things come untrue, to fix everything that's broken. And there's three facets of this renewal in the book of Revelation. And these three facets bring renewal to us in our lives today and what we're going through. And so first, I want you to see in this book that renewal comes through judgment. Renewal comes through judgment. Um, the book of Revelation is full of the judgment of God. Uh, and it's really important, though, to understand what God is doing when he brings judgment. When God judges, that judgment is God. He removes what destroys. That in judgment, God removes what destroys. And so you have to understand this. Judgment, you know, when a lot of times people talk about judgment, there's a lot of people that have all kinds of baggage and they're triggered by the idea that God judges. And you just need to understand the book of Revelation teaches us that judgment is about renewal. That God wants to make the world right again. And when God brings judgment, what he's doing is he is removing the things or the people who destroy. That's what judgment is. And so anything that destroys God's people, anything that destroys God's world, anything that destroys what is good and loving and generous, these are what God judges. And so I want to show you this. In Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 through 8, it says this. It says, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others. And so we see here that these plagues are coming upon this woman, who's this metaphorical image of all that is broken and wrong in society. Plagues come upon her because of the evil things that she has done. And you have to understand that sin, these sins that heap up into heaven, um, sin is not just breaking arbitrary rules. Sin is us, in small ways sometimes, and other, and other times in large ways, living contrary to God's design. And so sin destroys the world that God has made. Sin destroys us. It destroys others, the people that we sin against, and it destroys God's world. And these are the things God loves, and so God will remove the sin that destroys. And so judgment is renewal. And, and God, there's really two ways that God works to renew the world, okay? There's two ways. First, God can remove sinners from the world, and that brings judgment and death. Or two, God can remove sin from the sinner. And that's forgiveness and change. It's a big deal because God's heart, his desire is to do it the second way. God's desire is to remove sin from sinners. He wants to remove sin by removing sin from sinners. But God won't force us. He will not force us. And so if we're not willing to agree with God in this, if we're not willing to follow God in what he designs, that's when God judges us. When he judges our sin, he'll judge us if we don't agree with him. And to agree with God is simply to confess our sin and to follow Jesus. And so what we see here is that God will renew the world. He's going to make everything right 
and he invites us to join him in his renewal project. Now, if we refuse to join him, he's patient. He is patient. He gives us a life full of the blessings of friends and family, nature, adventure, food, happiness. He gives us these things as expressions of his love, as expressions of his goodness and his kindness to us. And all of that's designed to lead us into a relationship with him. When we say yes to a relationship with God, he forgives us through Jesus because Jesus experienced our judgment on the cross. And so even when God removes sin from the sinner, when he takes our sin away, someone is still being judged. But it's Jesus and not us. And friends, this is grace. This is God's grace. And oh man, how we need it. How we need this. Because even when we agree with God, even when we make efforts to try to remove sin from ourselves, we're painfully slow in growing. So often, there's, there's things that we just can't seem to get out of or to get out of us. And this is why we need God's grace over and over and over again. And so we see that renewal comes through judgment where God removes what destroys. Second, Revelation also teaches us that renewal comes through transformation. It comes through transformation. And this transformation happens as Heaven comes down. In the book of Revelation, we see that heaven comes down. In Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5, it says this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Man, what a glorious vision of God renewing the world through transformation. All things new. This means that the past is gone. This means everything that is past is gone. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. That God himself will wipe away our tears. And what I love about this is no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. That means that all of the stuff that we have done that's produced sorrow, and tears, and pain is gone. All the things that other people have done to us that has left us indelibly marked, indelibly abused, so that our reactions aren't healthy, 
that we can't help from being, being triggered. Like all of that is gone and we are free. We are free into the newness of God. This is what God has in store. Verses 18 to 25 say this. This is talking about this heavenly city, the Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. It says, verse 18, the wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Do you see the beauty? Do you see the beauty of this future? When God joins heaven and earth, when heaven comes down, it's beautiful. God cares about beauty and art. In verse 2, it was like a bride adorned, you know, decked out in unbelievably beautiful uh, clothing. Here are the city gates, they're giant pearls. They're decorative, they're delicate. And the walls are filled with precious stones. All the streets are gold. There is beauty and artistry in this. Verse 23 says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. Man. We see here societal healing. Societal transformation. This is community without walls. I mean, yes, there are walls because you've got to put all the amazingly beautiful stones everywhere, right? So there definitely are walls, but the gates are open and never shut. There is complete and total access. It's community without walls. This city is safe because the gates aren't shut. There is no night. There is nothing to fear. So we see that the very fabric of society is healed. And you notice verse 24, all the nations are part of this. The whole world will be renewed. Every nation will participate in this. Friends, this is the vision that God gave to his people in the first century. He told them this is where everything is headed. It's a life full of beauty, of communion and harmony. That God brings us now through suffering toward this incredible future. And if Revelation 21 and then even 22 says, this is how it's going to look at the end of all things, then what should we look like today? Right? If this is what God is doing, then what should we do? Author David Chilton, in a book called The Days of Vengeance, said this, The vision of the new heaven and earth is not to be interpreted as holy future, 
what is absolutely and completely true in eternity begins to be true now. He said, we don't simply look forward to the blessings of Revelation 21 in an eternity to come, but we enjoy them and rejoice in them and extend them here and now. So the things that are part of our future, we begin to experience them now and now, and we extend them in the here and now. And so this is the future that's coming. And we, as God's people, we're like the movie trailer for what God has in store. God brings heaven down. He removes our sin from us. And then he gives us his presence. We begin to have communion with God. We begin to live with Jesus. We begin to enjoy his presence. And that gives us his power so that we would live in ways that are like a trailer for what God has planned. So what are we to do? We're to be new people. This means that we're to do what Revelation 21 says that God does. So we're to wipe each other's tears. We're to comfort each other when we're in pain. We're to value beauty and art in the world. I think it was Gracie Rhodes this week who said that the fact that all of us are now gravitating toward Netflix and Hulu and watching movies and spending time online, like, this is a testimony to the desperate need that we have of artists in our world. Like we need even more so people to tell us stories, to people to show us things that will grip our hearts, entertain us, that will take us on journeys. And so we should value beauty and art in the world, to care about it in the present because it's a huge part of our future. And then what else are we to do? We're to build this community without walls. We're to be a community that's safe like this, where you don't have any fear, where you can be known, where you can be vulnerable, where you can be yourself, you can be real. Because you know you're not going to be judged. Because you know that the people that are part of your church family, they're broken too. We're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. And saying that sounds great, but it, it, what it means is that our, when our lives are broken, we're willing to be open about it with the right people. Societal healing looks like us being generous with our time, with our efforts, with our energy, and with our money. It means being generous to share. And it's clear that we don't bring renewal without God, but God doesn't bring renewal without us either. To say it another way, God renews people so that they can renew society. God renews us. We are his renewed people so that we would bring his renewal into our city, so that we would bring about a renewed city. This is what God is doing, and this is what we should do about it. And so when you focus on this, sometimes the fear pieces diminish. When you focus on this, you can know that God will provide for you. And so renewal comes through judgment. 
where God removes what destroys. Renewal comes through transformation as heaven comes down. And now third and finally, renewal comes through worship. Renewal comes through worship in the book of Revelation. We see this because as we worship, we join heaven now. Worship lifts us up into heaven. And worship happens through this whole book. I'm just going to show you, really, I'm just going to show you one place. In Revelation 15, verses 2 through 4, it says this, And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Verse 4, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Throughout this book, people who see God worship. When you see God and you can see what he's doing, even in the midst of their difficulties, they worship him. And so for us, what does that mean? Well, worship means spending your time and your energy and your money telling God that you are grateful. Telling God that you see his blessings. Great and amazing are your deeds, the text says. Just and true are your ways, the text says. Your acts are righteous, the text says. And so when you see God judging your sin on the cross of Jesus so that you can be forgiven, like that makes you worship. Seeing that God brings heaven down to earth makes you worship. And so in times like these, what can we do? We can worship. For some of us, this means singing. It means joining Ben on Instagram in the mornings at 8 o'clock and worshiping, using music to offer yourself to God. For others, worship looks like reading the Bible, learning more about God's righteous acts, more about how wonderful God is. But for all of us, worship looks like us doing things for God just because we know they'll make him happy. Worship looks like us doing things for others just because we know that it will make God happy. It's saying, God, I'm going to do this just because I love you. God, I'm going to do this just because of all that you have done for me in Jesus. And so you can fill in the blanks there. What is it that God would love for you to do? Who is it that God would love for you to bless? Who is it that God would love for you to serve? This is the pathway for us this week, is to worship God, both privately, one-to-one, direct communication, direct communion with God, but then also with the lives that we live, we can offer our bodies as living sacrifices as we look to serve and to love and to care for others. What does that look like for you this week? And so worship brings renewal. Worship removes sin from our lives. And worship brings heaven down 
it joins us to heaven. And when we see these things, we want to worship him all the more. And it creates this cycle. You know, you've heard the vicious cycle that goes down and down and down. This is a cycle that ascends and escalates up into the heavens. It gives us more and more of God in our lives. And then God spills out and blesses the people and the society, the community around us. Let's worship him. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy of our worship and our praise. And we love you. Thank you, God, that in the midst of what we're going through, that you are bringing, um, that you are bringing judgment and you're removing things that destroy the world. Thank you, God, that you are, um, you're working in our lives to transform us. And so we worship you for who you are. God, we pray that you would work continually in our lives. That as we look to you, God, we want you to be magnified. We want to do things that show you how much we love you. And so be with us, God. And for those that are tuned in that don't yet walk with you, God, would you reach out and touch their lives? If that's you, I would encourage you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I've lived apart from you and I want to come back to you. Forgive my sin. You pray that prayer and God's renewing power begins and it, it's alive in you now. So God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty, guys. You know what time it is. Question and answers with Stephen. <laughs> Q&A, if you will. Um, so just a reminder, please uh, continue sending in your questions. Um, we want to get to as many as we can in this time. Um, so you can send them in that Facebook thread. Or if you would rather your question be anonymous, that's totally fine. You can direct message us on Facebook or Instagram at HarborCitySD. Or if you have my number, you can text me too. That works great too. Um, all right, are we ready to go? Yeah. I'm going to start with a question we weren't able to get to last week that I just thought was really good um, as we wait for some more questions to come in. But this one um, says, how can, we specific, how can we be specifically praying for the governors and presidents with hard decisions around the world? I'm assuming in light of gosh. Boy, that's a, uh, the, the layered wisdom that it would take parallels the layered brokenness and problems in our government, in our society, and in the world. Um, boy, how would I, I mean... <laughs> this is one of those places where Romans 8 verse 26 says that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit intercedes for us with groans that are too deep for words. And so if you don't know how to pray, sometimes you just like groan, literally like, God, oh my goodness, like what do we do about this? And the spirit will translate and intercede for you. Um, so feel free to do that if you don't know how to pray. I, I would suggest that, oh gosh, um, 
how do you pull apart? You, you can pray that people might be able to humble themselves and to put what is good for our country in front of what is good for their own financial or political gain. Um, it feels to me like one of the things that is causing enormous amounts of problems is that we got a two-sided political country that is both trying to use this as an opportunity to bolster themselves. And I understand why they're doing it. I mean, I get it. There's an election in November, but uh, I don't think either side is being completely honest about the facts. And so we can pray for humility. Um, and I think praying that, I, I do believe that in a much larger time scale, I think that God is trying to give the world an opportunity to understand how to live as a global community. And I think that in some ways we've failed horribly. In other ways, I can see real progress that has, we are more connected now. And in some ways we're more united than in any other time in human history. But I think it takes hundreds of years to figure out how to do this. And so I think we're at the beginning stages of a very long process. And so you can pray that we would learn how to be, you know, one world um, in a way that's healthy and that honors God. Um, I'm not doing justice to that question, but um, those are some of the things that I think about when I try to pray for, for the world. Yeah, that's great. I, I had the same thought too of immediately going to like a lot of times we don't know what to pray for as we ought. So just being able to, like you said, groan, be like, Lord, we don't know, but help us, <laughs> help us just to surrender our hearts to you in this. It's great. Um, just so you know too, hashtag stump Steve is trending on our feed right now. So I don't know who Steve is, so that's cool. Ha. Yeah. Okay. This next question um, says, in light of Revelation renewal, do you think the world is getting better or getting worse? Oh, I think the world is so much better, and it is continually getting better. Uh, if you knew what the world was like a couple hundred years ago, I mean, you would have the amount of unity that exists, the amount of connectivity that exists um, is astonishing. Like, as bad as all of the civil unrest is, as bad as the fears about China and Russia and Venezuela and like all the stuff that's going on, um, there is so much peace in the world right now comparatively in history to, to the rest of history um, that I think you should be really encouraged. I am. Uh, the number of Christians that exist in the world, I think we're at 2.3 billion now. I think, I think it's about one-third of the world's population follows and loves Jesus. And so um, I think there's incredible reason to be optimistic about the future. And it's because it's God's power. Like, this is what God is doing. We're entering, we're going into all the nations and we're making disciples. And this is happening. And so it is easy for us to get a, a, a USA-centric view of the world and if you do that, you're going to miss out because the church is exploding in Africa. The church is exploding in China. The church is exploding in Latin America right now. And so there are places where like, the church is just, it's, it's growing in leaps and bounds. And so just because our country may be experiencing judgment or discipline from God um, for all kinds of things that we are guilty of doesn't mean that God's spirit isn't alive and thriving in so much of the rest of the world. And saying that, I think also that even the church in our country, I think is, 
I mean, it, it's always like good and bad. It's like Revelation 2 and 3, where Jesus says, this you're doing great, but this I have against you, you know? And so, uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic uh, about the future. That's great. Another one is more um, just for you, just people want to know, how are you praying personally? Um, most of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to hear the pain of the people that are around me and I'm trying to learn to help make room for their pain and so I'm trying to pay attention I'm rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and I'm mourning with those who are mourning with those who are afraid I try to help them see that there's a godly anxiety in Philippians 2 verse 28 where Paul was anxious about what was going to happen in the future because it was uncertain um, even though he says, don't be anxious about anything. Um, and so I'm trying to create space for people to struggle. Um, even our staff, we talked about how difficult it's been with all the transitions and being quarantined and I'm just trying to give us all permission. Like the reason why life feels different is because it is different. And even if you're just working from home, it doesn't mean that you're just working from home. You're working from home now in an environment that's totally different than anything that we've ever experienced. And so... Um, so yeah, so those are, I'm, I'm just trying to hear the people around us and do what we can to, to support and encourage them, to try to be that community without walls that Revelation talks about. That's awesome. Keep sending them in, you guys. Um, we are almost out of questions. We got one more, um, unless you guys just want to keep going. We probably got a few minutes left. This one is, what new things is this coronavirus experience teaching you about the church? Ooh. What new things is this coronavirus experience teaching you about the church? About the church? Um, I think... I feel like I've been noticing over the last several years especially that there seems to be a view of our financial well-being that feels idolatrous. Um, when a thriving economy becomes an excuse to cover over anything else that's wrong, that seems deeply problematic. Um, and so, So I don't know, that's something that I guess I keep thinking about because I keep, I keep seeing the idolatry and the idolatry that's out there is also in all of our lives as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm also learning that the church doesn't need to meet on Sundays in a building, you know, that we can still thrive as I continue to hear stories of people and I interact with people either through Zoom or um, I got to see Mark and Kitty because I dropped off a book for Mark. And so we stood six feet away from each other with a screen door, their front screen door in between. And we spent about 15 minutes just talking and sharing. And then, you know, I got to pray for them. And um, I mean, these times are really precious. And this idea of staying safe but staying connected, it's, it's possible to do that even in a quarantine situation like this. Um, and so I guess I'm learning that our church is... I knew our church was full of incredible people, and now those incredible people are shining even more brightly in the midst of this more difficult situation. That's great. Awesome. 
Thank you, Pastor Stephen. You're welcome. Thank you guys for sending your questions. Keep them coming. Uh, like I said, we want to answer as many as we can in this time, and even outside of this time. We do take a look at these questions outside of today, and we try to answer as many as we can. So thank you. Why don't you pray for cool. us? Yeah.